Hello, and welcome to The Context. My name is Scott Pruitt, and I'm an anchor with News China. With our podcast, we aim to provide insight into the current trends of modern China, allowing you to clearly see what's happening today through a historical lens. Today we'll talk about the 2,000-year-old tomb of Zhao Mo, second ruler of the southern Yue state, that is now a wildly popular museum in Guangzhou, giving visitors insights into the ancient maritime Silk Road and the state's twisted relationship with the Han Empire. Earlier this month, China celebrated its annual May Day holiday. The five-day festival has long served as a nationwide spring break, if you will, and typically it's a time for families to enjoy outdoor activities like camping and cookouts, but quite a few people also seize the opportunity to take in the sights around the country. According to data from the Ministry of Culture and Tourism, a total of 274 million domestic travel visits were made during this year's holiday. That's around 70% more than last year, which is no surprise considering the pandemic was still keeping people close to home back then, but more significantly is that the number surpassed that of 2019. Domestic tourism revenue during the holiday reached 148 billion yuan, which is about 21.4 billion US, a year-on-year -year increase of 129%. Scenic spots, art exhibitions, and museums were among the hottest selling tickets for this year's holiday, with some museums forced to limit admission both for safety reasons and to better protect their collections. One such museum is the one we're going to tell you about today, the Western Han Museum of the Southern Yue King Mausoleum in Guangzhou of South China's Guangdong Province, which opened in 1988 is famous for its unique archaeological remains of the southern Yue Kingdom from more than 2,000 years ago. The facilities cover more than 14,000 square meters, and the two exhibition sites, the King's Tomb and the Palace Gardens, boast a total of 10 exhibition halls. Domestic travelers were so eager to visit its popular attractions that the online booking system crashed. Now let's get into the story of how this tomb was discovered and the history that is unveiled by its relics. In 1983, as Southeast China was undergoing economic expansion with its coinciding construction boom, a team of construction workers found some slab stones buried in the Xianggang Hill area of Guangzhou. They noticed hollow spaces between the slabs and were savvy enough to suspect they had stumbled upon an ancient tomb. Archaeologists rushed to the site and managed to pry open the stone door. On the other side of a short passageway was the central chamber in which they found a coffin in extremely poor condition, and the body inside had long since disintegrated. However, a treasure trove of jade funerary objects remained intact, including a jade burial suit sewn with silk thread. Now, if you've been following our podcast, you may recall our previous episode on the elaborate jade burial suit of Liu Sheng, the first king of the Zhongshan state in the Western Han Dynasty who ruled from 154 to 113 BCE. 
We talked then about how jade burial suits were used as garments for deceased emperors and nobles. They were assembled from thousands of pieces of jade and stitched together with gold, silver, or copper threads according to the class of the individual. Such a luxurious design comes from the ancient belief that jade could absorb the essence of the mountains and keep the body of the deceased from decaying. So the discovery of this jade burial suit shocked everyone involved because it indicated that the tomb belonged to a high-ranking noble of the Han Dynasty, while the earliest ancient tombs previously excavated in Guangzhou were nobles of the Jin, the dynasty that reunited China in the year 280 after the Three Kingdoms period, which occurred in the wake of the collapse of the Han Dynasty. Wang Weiyi, deputy director of the museum, told WE Talk, a China news service production, that due to the age of the tomb and the fact that water had flooded the chamber many times, the jade burial suit had essentially decayed when it was first unearthed, as the jade pieces, all 2,291 of them, were scattered all over the place. But this suit stands out from the other 20-some jade burial suits discovered in China due to the uniqueness of its thread. Though jade burial suits with gold, silver, or copper threads are not uncommon, this one with silk thread is the only one of its kind in the world. Deputy Director Wang added that, at the time, it was a major archaeological problem as to how to deal with the jade pieces and repair the suit. The archaeologists decided to use plaster to pack the jade suit and transported the whole thing along with other attachments to the Institute of Archaeology under the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences in Beijing. There, it was stored in a well-equipped laboratory and restored, bit by bit, by a team led by archaeologist Bai Rongjin, taking three years to complete. Besides the jade burial suit, Further exploration of the tomb found a seal that read Emperor Wen, which finally confirmed the identity of the tomb owner, Zhao Mo, second king of southern Yue, a vassal state of the western Han dynasty that covered present-day Guangdong, Guangxi, Hainan, as well as parts of southern Fujian and northern Vietnam. The domain of southern Yue was originally inhabited by various ethnic groups collectively called the Hundred Yue, the Hundred Yue people were known for their short hair, body tattoos, fine swords, and naval prowess. They leveraged their geographical advantage, the coastal area and the region south of the Yangtze River, to develop trade, and in doing so accumulated substantial wealth. The wealth and trade source attracted the attention of Emperor Qin Shi Huang, the first unifier of China, who undertook a series of military campaigns to conquer it. Zhao Tuo, a general of the Qin dynasty, participated in the conquest and took control of the region. After the fall of Qin, Zhao established the independent kingdom of southern Yue in 204 BCE. He declared himself king and settled the capital in Panyu of Guangdong province. During almost the same period, Liu Bang proclaimed himself as emperor Gaozu of the Han dynasty in 202 BCE with its capital in the present day Xi'an of northwest China's Shanxi province. To maintain his hard-won empire, Liu Bang concentrated on implementing economic reforms to recover from the long period of wars on the one hand, while on the other hand he engaged in political struggles with so-called non-relative regional rulers to consolidate his power. Non-relative regional rulers were those powerful commanders who sided with Liu Bang on his way to the throne. 
When Leo became Emperor Gaozu, he rewarded eight of them with titles of king and territories covering a very large area. But later, he felt that these kings and their entrusted areas constituted a substantial threat to his own rule. It took him several years to reduce these territories, demoting some of the kings and executing others as rebels. After that, only members of the imperial family were permitted to use the title of king. These endeavors left Emperor Gaozu with no energy and resources to confront the remote southern Yue head-on. In 196 BCE, he sent an envoy on a diplomatic mission to southern Yue to persuade Zhao Tuo to declare allegiance to the Han Empire. At the same time, he dispatched an army to the neighboring Changsha state to watch over southern Yue, thereby threatening an attack if Zhao refused to acquiesce. After weighing the pros and cons, Zhao Tuo decided to submit to the Han. Therefore, he was given a seal to legitimize him as king of southern Yue. Now here's where the story gets even more interesting. Emperor Gaozu died the year after southern Yue's submission, and Emperor Hui succeeded the throne, but his mother, Empress Dowager Lü, reigned instead of her weak son, holding the status of emperor in all but name. In 183 BCE, Empress Dowager Lü implemented trade sanctions on the southern Yue, restricting critical products like iron and horses. And since Zhao's relatives still lived in the central plains, she had them killed and his ancestral tomb destroyed. Zhao Tuo retaliated by proclaiming himself Emperor Wu of southern Yue, attacking the neighboring Changsha state and extending his territory by securing the submission of several border towns with the Han. Three years later, in 180 BCE, Emperor Wen of the Han Dynasty ascended to the throne. Hoping to repair relations with southern Yue, he abolished some of the trade sanctions, restored Zhao Tuo's ancestral tomb, and withdrew armies stationed along the border with southern Yue. In response, Zhao agreed to give up the title of emperor in all communications with the Han, but he continued to use the title of emperor within his kingdom until his death in 137 BCE at the ripe old age of 103. Since Zhao Tuo outlived his son, he passed the throne to his grandson, Zhao Mo, who became the second king of southern Yue and was known within the kingdom as Emperor Wen, which is the name written on the seal found in the tomb. And as I mentioned earlier, this is how archaeologists were able to identify the tomb's owner. In 113 BCE, southern Yue's fourth generation ruler, Zhao Xing, sought to have the kingdom formally included as part of the Han Empire. His prime minister vehemently objected and murdered the king. The prime minister installed Zhao Xing's elder brother, Zhao Jianda, on the throne as the fifth ruler of southern Yue, thus forcing a military confrontation with the Han. The next year, Emperor Wu of Han sent 100,000 troops to wage war against southern Yue, the results of which established Han's rule over the kingdom by the end of 111 BCE, concluding the 93-year rule of the Zhao family. The Han Dynasty not only established the basis for unified rule of China up to the present day, but emperors of the empire also distinguished themselves by choosing the finest treasures and exquisitely crafted offerings to be buried with. Each Han tomb was a symbol of power and majesty, designed to ensure that its owner continued to enjoy in the afterlife the same comforts and privileges afforded to them in life. 
The exquisite luxuries placed within the tombs would easily attract the covetous eyes of tomb raiders, so to avoid falling prey to thieves, one strategy was to arrange decoy tombs. For instance, on the day of Zhao Tuo's funeral, the procession divided into four routes that carried indistinguishable coffins through the four city gates and marched towards dozens of decoy tombs scattered around the capital. For the past 2,000 years, many people, including emperors, have tried to solve the mystery of exactly where Zhao Tuo was entombed. During the Three Kingdoms period, Sun Quan, ruler of the state of Wu, ordered a thorough search of the mountains around the area of the extinguished Southern Yue Kingdom. They did indeed find the tomb of Southern Yue's third-generation ruler, while the tombs of Zhao Tuo and Zhao Mo remained a mystery. The tomb of Zhao Mo turned out to be by far the largest intact tomb, boasting the richest collection of over 1,000 cultural relics, including funerary objects, musical instruments, weapons, food vessels, jade carvings, as well as gold and silverwares. These artifacts exhibit an inclusive integration of the culture of central China with that of multiple regional and overseas cultures. Some bear witness to trade along the ancient maritime Silk Road, such as a garlic-shaped silver box, a bronze bucket carved with ship patterns, as well as frankincense, welded gold beads, and ivory. When Zhao Mo's tomb was discovered, Archaeologists hoped to use the unearthed objects to find some clues as to the location of his grandfather's tomb. But four decades on, the whereabouts of Zhao Tuo's tomb remain shrouded in mystery, leaving what is certain to be a bountiful treasure trove for future generations to discover. Well, that's the end of our podcast. Our theme music is by the famous film score composer Rock Chun. We want to thank our writer Song Yimin, translator Yang Guang, and copy editor Pu Ren. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, please tell a friend so they too can understand the context. The context.